John chapter 10, John chapter 10, we'll begin in verse 1. Continue to look at the I am statements of Jesus as the book of John contains uh, record, records of Jesus. And he mentioned the, the exact phrase, I am, about 25 times in his preaching and teaching. But there are seven statements that specifically paint a picture of who he is and his work uh, in redemption. We looked, of course, at the woman of the well. He said, I am the Messiah. Uh, specifically, he put it this way. She said, the Messiah is coming, and he said, the one that's talking to you, I am he. And, of course, he spoke about the water of life. Of course, he spoke again about, I am the bread of life. And again, I am the light of the world. In this passage of Scripture, scholars say there are two I am statements. But we're going to look at that, and we realize that these really are referring to the same picture. And you'll see what I'm speaking of as we read through the passage of Scripture. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the Scriptures read, please? John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him... The doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring that they may hear my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus walked in the temple 
and Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They will never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you for the words about Jesus. Show us very clearly who he is. And Father, may we look into this passage of Scripture and see ourselves as we are. And we all need the Savior. We all need Jesus Christ. Show us that very plainly. If there's anyone here that does not know him personally, we ask that you would reveal your words in such a way, Father, to make it very plain of what needs to be done today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He said it twice in this passage of scripture. By saying, I am, of course, that's an unmistakable claim because back in the book of Exodus when Moses said, who will I tell the people is commanding me to take them out of Egypt? And he said, you tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. So when Jesus just simply used the word, I am, that's an Old Testament reference. However, when he said, I am the good shepherd, that refers to some Old Testament promises. We all know the most beloved and familiar passage of Scripture. As David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And the whole 23rd Psalm speaks of the care of the master. The Lord is my shepherd. But that's not the only time the Old Testament refers to God as the shepherd. Back in the 100th Psalm, I remember when I was just a youngster in grade school, I remember just a few things about my first grade year, but I do remember this song. Miss Gibbons, my first grade teacher, she would read the 23rd Psalm and she would read the 100th Psalm, especially around November. And the 100th Psalm reads like this, and we all in my first grade class memorized this psalm. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Again, the reference, God is our shepherd. We are his sheep. And this psalm, as well as the 23rd psalm, celebrates his care. Now, there's at least four other references in the Old Testament that speak of God being the shepherd. So when Jesus came on the scene and said, I am the good shepherd, it was unmistakable to anyone who heard him what he was referring to. This was not a new statement. And so in saying, I am the good shepherd, Jesus, in effect, is saying, I am God. I am one with the Father. But it gets even more specific. 
Here's a passage of scripture that we read around Christmas time. If you turn to the prophet Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Again in verse 3. I suppose the prophet Isaiah speaks of the coming Messiah more than any other prophecy in the scripture, although many of them do. See what Isaiah says in verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 40. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 10. Behold, the Lord shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for them. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs with his arm. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. You see, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he was not just saying, I am God. I am the son of God. He was saying, I am the Messiah that was promised through the Old Testament scriptures. The Old Testament scriptures said the Messiah is coming and the Jews were looking for his coming, and he's referred to as the shepherd. The shepherd will come. Ezekiel mentions this in the 34th chapter and in the 37th chapter. And then, especially as we read about Christmas time, the coming of the Messiah, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Out of Bethlehem shall come he who has been of old. He will rule over his people Israel, and in verse 4, he will stand and feed his flock. The coming Messiah was seen as the shepherd that would come and gently lead his flock. So the unmistakable claim when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, people knew, the Jewish people knew, it was primarily who he was speaking of then, what he was saying. He was saying, you know the Messiah that's been promised? The Messiah you've been looking for? I am that Messiah. I am the good shepherd that you've been waiting for. So the unmistakable claim is then supported by unforgettable images. Now, a lot of these things are foreign to us because uh, I don't know of anyone here that has to, a lot to do with sheep on a large scale. I know a lot of our agri students have to deal with sheep and goats and those kind of animals, but uh, most people around here don't do that on a large scale when it comes to your livelihood. But when Jesus spoke in Israel, almost every family knew about sheep and shepherding, and it was a major part of their survival. And the images that he spoke of were familiar to them. He says the sheepfold. He does not enter the sheepfold by the door. The sheepfold is a place of safety. 
And he spoke of the sheepfold being a place of safety. Now, there were two pictures of a sheepfold. First of all was the community sheepfold in the village. A lot of families had sheep. And they would take their families out, or their, their sheep out, and their flocks out, and they would go and, and uh, have them graze on the pastures during the daytime. Sheep are not like cattle. You can't leave them out overnight. Uh, they, they just absolutely are too susceptible to uh, predators, and they wander off. You've got to keep your eye on them. So they would come, and all the sheep in the village would be brought into a common sheepfold. It would be like a lot, a corral, and they would all be brought into the common sheepfold for the night. It would be a sturdy, fenced-in area, secure, and they would come in through one gate, and then they would close the gate, and a watchman would watch those sheep all night long, and they would be safe, all the sheep of all the families in town. And then the next morning, it would be time to go out to pasture. How would each shepherd find his sheep in all of this big milled up herd of everybody's sheep? Well, every shepherd had a very unique call. He had a very unique voice, a very unique sound that he would make. And each shepherd would come to the sheepfold and the watchman would recognize the shepherd, of course, and he would stand at the door of the sheepfold and he would issue his call. Only his sheep would come to his voice and his sheep would come to only his voice. A shepherd who came earlier to call his sheep, he wouldn't get anybody else's sheep. The sheep knew the voice of the shepherd who took care of them, and then they would go and follow him out. Of course, that was important, place of safety. But the fold was even more important during most of the seasons of the year. Here's how it worked. During the winter months, that's when people would be down in the lowlands, and they would, they would of course, have their sheep and home base. And then as spring came they would start venturing out to other pastures. And as the summer heat came, they would go to the high elevation. And so the 23rd Psalm speaks of a shepherd that's on the move with his sheep. He slept in the wild. They would go miles and miles and miles away from home. Every day he would lead his flock through the pastures. And as the climate and the temperature changed, he would lead them up higher and higher and lead them into these other pastures. Night would come. No common corral. No fence. But the shepherd would always know where there was a place to make a sheepfold. It would be either a cave or a formation of rocks or sometimes even it would be uh, a piled up hedge of thorny bushes and he would have that sheepfold and when night would come he would call his sheep into the sheepfold and then the shepherd would lay down in the door so when Jesus said I am the door of the sheep 
he was talking about something that the shepherd would do. So the two statements that scholars look at is, of course, Jesus said, I'm the door. You can only come in here through me. And I am the good shepherd. But we know by looking at what was done, the good shepherd is the door. So it's all the same picture of the same person when he said, I'm the door and I am the good shepherd. But as he laid down in front of that door of the corral, of the sheepfold, he was literally laying down his life for the sheep. Any predator, any rustler that came in to get the sheep had to come through the shepherd first, had to come through the doorway first. So we realize what a picture of safety and what a picture of the shepherd's care of the sheep than to lay down and put himself between his sheep and danger. What a picture of the Savior. What a picture of the Messiah. But then we have the shepherd's voice. The shepherd's voice, of course, calls his sheep to safety. He would call them in every night. He'd have to call them in. When the Bible compares us to sheep, that's not a compliment. Sheep wouldn't know to come in. They would graze and wander off. Sheep are destructive. Sheep are helpless. Sheep, they're, they're, they're a danger to themselves. They really have to have the constant watch of the shepherd. So you couldn't leave them out there to graze like cattle all night long. And if you didn't make sure they were in the fold, they would just wander around all night long in the dangerous areas. So the shepherd calls them with his unique call. And he would call them in to safety. And when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, everybody knew that the good shepherd's voice, and he speaks of his voice, always called the sheep to what was best for them. Now, that's an important point. Let me say that again. The shepherd always called the sheep to what was best for them. And when the sheep heard the voice of the shepherd, it was never to hurt them, to interfere with them, to just put a kink in their day just for the sake of, 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 of harassing the sheep. He always called them to something better. That's important for us to remember because we're, because we're acknowledging the fact that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The voice of the shepherd never calls us to something that's bad for us. The voice of Jesus always calls us to something that's best for us. So he called them to safety. But he also called them to constant care. He says, anyone who comes to me, I'll bring them in and out, and they will find pasture. In and out and find pasture. The word in and out to find pasture, the Jews knew that this was a statement. To be able to come and go without danger meant that you were absolutely secure. To be able to go in the fold and then back out of the fold and never have a worry because the shepherd was there. To be able to move around freely because you knew the shepherd always had his eye on you. The Jewish people knew that that term, he should go in and out and find pasture. They knew that that meant that the, the father, always the shepherd, always called us to constant care and to find pasture. Pastures for sheep did not happen by chance. 23rd Psalm says uh, he leads me to green pastures. 
green pastures didn't happen by chance in that, in that area. Green pastures always meant that the shepherd had gone ahead and made sure that the right grass was planted and the right ground was cultivated. The pasture was there waiting for the sheep. They did nothing to prepare for that. The shepherd did everything. And as they followed the voice of the shepherd from pasture to pasture, they were always following to abundant supply that didn't happen by chance. Jesus said it this way, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. This is in verse 10. I have come that they may have life, they may have it more abundantly. You see, following Jesus and accepting Christ is not just, I'm getting my ticket to heaven. Jesus wants to give us an abundant life here and now. And anytime people would come to Jesus and ask about eternal life and everlasting life, there was more meaning this meant to how long it would last. It meant how abundant it was. And Jesus Christ came that we would have an abundant life. Now, we're not talking about finances. I think all of us know that finances, although many people put a lot of importance, does not mean an abundant life. They're some of the richest people in the world who are some of the saddest, angriest, most miserable, self-centered people in the world. The most wealthy people in the world, sometimes you find, are the most miserable. When he says an abundant life, he's talking about more than money and wealth and possessions. He's talking about what really matters in life. To give us purpose and meaning and hope and confidence and strength and trials. He said, I didn't come just to give you a long life. I came to give you an abundant life. That brings us to the third thing. The shepherd's voice and the shepherd's strength. Jesus said it this way. My sheep hear my voice. This is in verse 27. And I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You see, the shepherd's strength was what kept the sheep safe. And you see, the sheep of the Messiah, the sheep of Jesus Christ, have the eternal security if they believe and trust in the Lord. This is stated in three different ways. He said, and I give them eternal life. The word eternal life is mentioned 15 times in the gospel. You think it was important to Christ? The word everlasting life is mentioned 10 times in the gospel. So you remember, of course, he speaks of eternal life and he speaks of everlasting life. Listen closely to the language. Eternal life that can be lost is a contradiction of terms. Jesus said, I give to you eternal life. It's eternal. You can't lose it, or it would not be eternal. It would have an end for you. And he says, they shall never perish. That's the promise. You remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him, listen to this, should never perish but have everlasting life. Did you know that term, never perish, 
is also mentioned in verse 15. Never perish. And then thirdly, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Did you catch that? My sheep hear my voice, and I've got them. Nobody snatches them out of my hand. This is also referred to in the Old Testament. In the 89th Psalm, verse 13, you have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High and exalted is your right hand. Isaiah said it this way in chapter 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. God's hand is strong enough to save us. God's hand is strong enough to keep us. You might say, well, that just sounds so illogical. Let me tell you something that sounds even more illogical than eternal security to the believer, and that is salvation in the first place. It is totally illogical. It is beyond human comprehension. It is illogical that Jesus Christ would come and die for sinners that hated him, the enemies of God. That's totally illogical. But salvation, eternal life, is useless if it's not eternal. And three statements tell us that we are secure in the grip of the Savior's hand. Eternal life. Never perish. Never snatch them out of my hand. And then he said, oh, in case you didn't get it the first time, and they'll never take you out of my Father's hand, I and my Father are one. I remember, of course, when my kids were small, and you've got small kids. Sometimes we go into places that are hazardous for small kids, crossing a busy street or you get in a big crowd somewhere. You don't want them to get away. You don't stick your finger down there and say, hold on tight. This is really dangerous. No. You reach down and you take hold, right? Because you want their safety to depend on your grip, not their grip. Our safety and security depends on God's grip. God's grip keeps us safe, not our grip on God because we're shaky and our grip is not secure. Salvation, security is God's grip on us. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God can hear you. Are you talking? You're talking to God? Are you hearing his voice? And, and here's the rest of that. Are you following his voice or the voice of strangers? You see, when Jesus said the voice of strangers they wouldn't follow, that gives the implication that from time to time somebody else would try to call the sheep away. A lot of different voices that want our attention and our devotion and our dedication. A lot of different things. Are we listening to the voice of Jesus and following that voice? The voice of Jesus always calls us to what's best for us. As we prepare for an invitation to him, don't know what may be on your heart and mind. Where this sermon may have hit you in your life. But as Jesus calls all of us to come for security and salvation and abundant life, are you hearing him? Are you listening to him? Are you following him? It's always what's best for us. As we stand and see. Number 132.